Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Come on. Come on. Does anybody love their church? Come on. Man, I love this house, and uh, like Pastor Brian said, this is my second time here, and uh, so now you have a weird cousin from Orlando, and uh, I'm excited. Who's cooking something good today? I'll be there, amen, and uh, really thankful for what God is doing in this place. Do you love your pastors? Come on, Pastor Brian and Becky. You know, it's it's not um, easy to find pastors that understand or value uh, the evangelist role in the church. And so coming here and being at Generations Church, I'm just so grateful uh, for their leadership, for their life. Uh, Thank you for believing in young pastors. Thank you for uh, giving staff the opportunity to lead. Uh, Just talking to your staff, I know they love being under your leadership, working with you and working for you. Come on, can you clap for your pastors again? As a matter of fact, I think you should just stand up one time. Come on, church. Let those knees get lubricated and go ahead and clap for your pastors because we love them so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for 10 years of sowing and building plants, and we love you. We're thankful, and we're grateful. And, uh, man, it's such an honor to be here. I'll be honest with you. I'm from, I lived in Philly, grew up in Philly my whole life, and, uh, and then I lived in Michigan. Come on, go Eagles. And uh, still licking our wounds from last week. And um, I uh, grew up in Philly, and, now I, I, and then I lived in Michigan for seven years. Uh, it has been cold, very cold, uh, my entire life. And so I moved to Florida with the promise of getting even darker. And uh, t- this morning was cold. This morning was, I told uh, Jonah, Jonah's traveling with me, a, a young man. I, I really believe and love him so much. I said, Jonah, this is a bad attitude weather. He said, what do you mean? I said, it doesn't matter how much time you spent with God this morning. It doesn't matter if you prayed. Joyce Myers could have been in your room reading the word of God to you. Uh, the apostle Peter could have showed up and taught you how to walk on water in your bathtub. I said, when you walk outside, you immediately have a bad attitude. Like, uh, in the morning, you're just worshiping Jesus. You're so faithful. You're so wonderful. You walk outside. You're like, what are you looking at? You know, so it's that kind of cold. And, uh, man, this is crazy. I didn't know it got this cold in Florida, but I'm learning. So uh, just really grateful to be here today. I, I have a word today. Um, Something that the Lord has put on my heart, and I, I was really trying to process with God, Lord, what do you want? How do you want me to unravel this today? Because I'm not sure uh, how this is going to come forth today. Uh, but yesterday, uh, Pastor Brad, so come on, do you love your youth pastor? Come on, Pastor Brad took me. Um, he took me to an FSU uh, basketball game yesterday, tough game, lost to Clemson, uh, but we're not a basketball school, we're a football school, and I will not bring that up because I agree, you got robbed. Um, but uh, we're, we're at the game, and it, it was so funny to me, I noticed this, uh, FSU, was they were down uh, like by eight points or something, and one of their players went to the free throw line, and uh, they shot a basket, I mean, the game's really, it's about to be over, and the cheerleaders do this thing that every time a ball goes in the net, they do a backflip, who knows what I'm talking about, right? Every single time the ball goes in the net, they do a backflip. And so at the free throw line. So uh, he shoots, he makes the basket, and they do a backflip. And I thought that was so funny. I'm like, they're down by seven now, and the game's about to be over, right? And the Lord just reminded me in that moment that 
the reason the cheerleaders are backflipping is not because they think they're going to win the game. The reason they're backflipping is because they've committed to supporting their players and backflipping every time they score at the free throw line. And God said, I wonder if you could help some people in church understand on a Sunday morning that even when we're down, you've committed to a lifestyle of worship, committed to a lifestyle of support, committed to a lifestyle of God. I'm not dependent on things going well or the end result being what I want it to be. This is who we decided who we were going to be up front. And so I'm going to keep flipping when things are good. I'm going to keep flipping when life is going crazy. I'm going to keep celebrating the Lord. There was some commitment in the room. And so I was just thinking about that, kind of stirring in that this morning, uh, thinking about what I'm going to share today because I know uh, that all of us are in different spots. My wife and I like to say it like this. No one is nowhere on the journey of faith. Me, we, We're all at different places. We're all at some place in the journey of faith. But I want to preach a word today uh, that speaks, I, I feel like, really directly uh, to something I'm seeing in the church globally. And so I hope you can hang on today. Uh, before I do that, though, I want to introduce uh, just my family to you, uh, show you this morning. I did not just leave. I was sent. Uh, that is my beautiful bride. That is Joanna Reeves. And, uh, man, she is a fantastic preacher of the gospel. She's a woman of God. And uh, so funny, this week we were having a conversation with my daughter. I'll show you her in just a second. But we were having a conversation, and we were talking about colors. And we asked her, we said, Charlie, what's Mac's favorite color? Mac is her little brother. She said, Mac's favorite color is blue. And we're like, oh, that's sweet. She's like, what's Daddy's favorite color? Daddy's favorite color is red. Daddy always wears red. It's like, what's uh, Mommy's favorite color? She was like, brown. And uh, I was like, why? She was like, because Daddy's brown. I was like, you are a smart three-year-old. Thank you, Jesus. You know, so... Um, that really happened, seriously. So um, thank God. Thank God. Amen. Um, I like to say it like this. My wife likes her coffee, no cream, if you know what I mean. So and this is my daughter. This is my daughter, Charlie Grace. And uh, go Eagles, I told you. Uh, she, she walks around our house screaming, Kelly Green, Kelly Green. That's our favorite jersey, and Charlie's amazing. Uh, she just learned how to take up offerings. So if you come to our house, she will put out her Princess Barbie hat and take up an offering. And uh, this is my son. This is Macklin Nathaniel Reeves. That's my boy. And, uh, man, we're still working on him. He's not saved. Uh, I know he looks sweet, but right before I left yesterday, he bit the babysitter. So um, I called it a love kiss, and she was like, it hurts. And I was like, well, love hurts sometimes. And uh, so thankful for my family. They sent me this morning. And, uh, man, I, I'm ready to preach this morning. Uh, if you're ready to hear it, say Amen. Amen. So I, I'll tell you this. I'm a loud preacher. I'll tell you that up top. And uh, I hope you can hang today. Uh, they haven't told me how much time I have, so that's dangerous. But uh, for the next six and a half hours, uh, I plan to, why are you laughing? Uh, for the next few minutes, I, I, I hope to share with you something that God put on my heart. And so uh, let, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 29. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, I also come from an African Pentecostal home. And, uh, and so if you feel a little bit of that today, uh, blame my mom. Um, I give your, your, her email so you can complain if you want to. Um, but Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Uh, the book of Mark was written uh, by a man named John Mark, right? John Mark wrote the book of Mark. And actually, it's not really his account of Jesus' life. Actually, what John Mark did is he followed the apostle Peter around, and he wrote down what the apostle Peter had spoken, or like orally. And so Mark would write it down, and after he got done recording the testimonies of the apostle Peter, he decided to go, 
Mark, right? And he wrote his own name on it. And as I thought about that, the Lord reminded me that sometimes what God is trying to do in our life, we cannot do with other people. The thing that Mark was known for, he could not be known for if he did not submit himself to the leadership of the Apostle Peter. That's why you're seeing all these groups go, these small groups, and you're going, I don't know if any of them appeal to me. No, you've got to get in a group because sometimes the great thing that God wants you to be remembered for comes through the seed and through the lane of the other people he's putting in your life today someone say amen so this is what he's doing right so he writes the book of mark written by john mark but from with the help of the apostle peter and it's written to roman christians who would have been shocked that an authoritative figure like jesus would enter someone's home here's what was happening in our story let me give you just a little context before i read it i'm going to read to you the story of jesus going into the home of one of his disciples but when roman christians heard this story they would have been like wait a minute an authoritative figure like Jesus, he's the Christ, right? He's the Son of God, right? These are Roman Christians. They believe Jesus is the Son of God. They would have been shocked that an authoritative figure like Jesus would go into someone's home. Why? Because in Roman culture, if authority was going to come into your home, they were not there to encourage you or inspire you. If they were coming to your home, they were coming to arrest you. They were coming to extort you. They were coming to give you bad news. So this story is a monumental story in the scripture that we kind of just read over, this is what the Roman Christians would have been thinking as they're listening to the text. Here goes the story. It said, as soon as Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went home with Simon and Andrew. When they got there, Jesus was told that Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. Okay, so uh, important news right here. Peter lives with his mother-in-law. Hello. Uh, my mother-in-law just lived with me for seven months while they moved from Philadelphia to Florida. And uh, we're having their house built and construction got delayed. And so they lived with us for seven months. I said seven months. And uh, uh, interesting time. And uh, if you guys ever watch back this recording, they were a wonderful seven months. And I'm not glad that you're gone. I'm not glad. Uh, I'm glad. Uh, and uh, it was just an interesting time. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law were living with us. And uh, just interesting. I'm, I'm talking about, I was like, God, I want you to increase my patience. He's like, great, your in-laws are moving in. I was like, not that kind of patience. Um, so Peter has the same thing going on. Uh, Simon, he says, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. Jesus went to her. Jesus went to her. He took a hold of her hand and he helped her up. Don't you love how Jesus operates? No matter what kind of situation you're in, no matter what you're facing, Jesus shows up. He extends a hand to you. Receive that hand, and he will help you up. And then it says the fever left her, and she served them a meal. I love that. She was sick. Jesus helped her. She got well, and she served them a meal. As soon as she got healed, the disciples were like, <laughs> we're so glad you're healed. Do you know how to fry chicken? Fry that chicken, girl. Let's go. We're starving. Right? Come on. When God moves, he moves over food. Amen? So I'm thankful for that. I want to preach from the simple thought today. From God's house to your home. From God's house to your home. I had this uh, lady in my church, and as I was kind of putting this message together, I thought about her. Her name was Kelly Perez. And uh, Miss Kelly was a wonderful woman. The only thing I did not like about her... And she was one of those church moms who would come over to you. She was not my mom. She was a church mom. And she would come over to me, and she'd be like, Peter, you have something on your face. And she would do that. I'm like, ew, Miss Kelly. 
You don't know me like that, Miss Kelly. Why are you licking your finger and wiping things off my She's like, Peter, don't worry. You are fine. I love you, right? And so every time I saw Miss Kelly at church, actually, two things I remember about her. Number one, she would do that and, and wipe people's face like that. And the other thing is this, is she smelled like Vicks on all occasions. Uh, I'm talking about Vicks Vapor Up. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it was about the 90s that people believed in Vicks Vapor Up. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I even my own mom, I'm like, mom, uh, I'm sick. You know what she'd tell me? She's like, Peter, take the Vicks and rub it on the bottom of your feet if you are sick. Who knows what I'm saying? Nobody? Okay, a couple of us, right? Like, I'm like, mom, I have a headache. She's like, take the Vicks and put it on your temples, Peter. You will feel better. I'm like, mom, Vicks doesn't work for everything, you know? I'm like, mom, I broke my arm. She's like, get the Vicks. I'm like, I think I need to go to the hospital, you know? Mom, I broke up with my girlfriend. She's like, Peter, take the Vicks and anoint her with oil. You know, I'm like, okay, I don't know. But Vicks vapor up. And Miss Kelly, though, she, ins- she inspired this message, though, because I remember no matter what our pastor preached about, right? I grew up in a Pentecostal church uh, in Philadelphia, right? And so our pastor was Italian. And, uh, you know, if you look too fast at him, you're like, pastor, mob, I don't know. But he, uh, he was a great man, and he would preach like this. He'd be like, uh, church, listen to me today. <laughs> the Bible says uh, that God can do a work uh, in your life uh, and everywhere. You know, so he would preach like that. So we loved it. We were just in church having a good time. And uh, our, our pastor, no matter what he preached on, though, Miss Kelly would walk up to the altar. And uh, after the service was done, no matter what the altar call was, she would go up every single time. One time I thought to myself, I was about 11 years old. I said, what is she always talking to God about at the altar? I'm super nosy. I'm not going to lie today. Uh, if you come down to the altar, I might eavesdrop on your prayers a little bit. I want to know what you're talking to God about. And so I walked up to the altar and I stood right behind Miss Kelly. And this was the first time I'd ever heard, heard her pray for her husband, Mr. Eddie, right? And she's praying for Mr. Eddie. She's like asking God to touch her husband because she was saved, but her husband was not saved. Her, her daughter and her son, Javier and Yesenia, were friends of mine in the kids' ministry. And so I would hear them pray for their dad too. The whole family interceding for Mr. Eddie. It did not matter if pastor preached on breakthrough or if he preached on finances. She was at the altar. It didn't matter if it was a Christmas Eve service or if it was just a worship night. She was at the altar on every occasion. Miss Kelly was at the altar interceding for her husband. And it was years. I mean, I can't even tell you how long it actually was. I was trying to put together the timeline, but I don't remember. But I know it was over 10 years. Over 10 years, I saw a woman seek God for her husband's salvation. And when I think about from God's house to your home, I think about Miss Kelly because after 10 years or so, Mr. Eddie did walk down the aisle for the first time and surrender his life to Christ and get right with God. And today, he's a deacon in the church that I grew up in. What did Miss Kelly understand that most Christians don't? Is that I got to get what's happening in God's house into my home. Come on, the anointing, not just in God's house, the church, but in your home. Healing, not just in God's house, but in your home. Healthy relationships, whoo, not just in God's house, but in your home. Come on, the power of the spirit, not just in God's house, but in your home. Peace. Come on, someone say peace. Not just in God's house, but in your home. I guess if I could convince Christians of anything today, it would be that God wants to be a part of your every moment. He wants to be a part of moving your heart every single day. He wants to speak into your ear hourly. He wants to shift your your heart moment by moment. And I guess what I'm trying to say is encounters with God are not just supposed to happen someday. They're supposed to happen every day. 
It's not just someday or Sunday. It's every day. So what's the problem? If that's God's heart, if that's his desires, why do we struggle to encounter God at home? Here's why. Here's this text. It says, as soon as Jesus left the synagogue or left the church or left God's house, as soon as he left the synagogue with James and John, they went to the home of Simon and Andrew. And here's what God spoke to me. Here's the problem. Is that many are not allowing what they experience in church to cross over into their home. Let me say it like this today. The relationship that most people have with God is significantly better on Sunday in church than it is Monday through Saturday at home. That the relationship that people have with God here is so different than the one that they have at home. And I guess what I'm saying is like, how did we get here? Because when I look at the ministry of Jesus, I see that Jesus' ministry was suddenly done in the temple. Most of it was done in the street or in people's homes. The woman with the alabaster jar, the alabaster box, who broke that perfume, who put it on the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair, that was in someone's home. I remember Jesus sees Zacchaeus, a wee little man in a tree. And he says, today, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. One of my favorite encounters in the scripture of a man named Levi, who was a tax collector. Oh, Jesus says, follow me. He drops everything he's doing. And then in the next instance, he invites people into his home. The ministry of Jesus has always been done in people's homes. So how did we get here where our relationship with God at church is significantly better than our relationship with God at home? How did we get here? I think the way we got here is what I call cultural Christianity, right? Where you have like a box mentality thinking. You're like, this is my faith box and I have faith and this is my finance box and I don't really like the two to cross over and this is my parenting box. God, I, my kids are crazy but I don't really need your help and this is my marriage box. I don't even know why I married him. I do need help with that and this is my, right? And we separate these boxes in our life and we don't allow them to mix or cross over. I think this is how we got here. We said church is this box, home is this box. At church you can be God, but in my house I'm God. At church I'll worship you, but at home I am the authority. I know what that feels like. Like I'll never forget when I moved out of my mom's house and uh, I, my mom never used to let me touch the thermostat. Peter, if you touch that thermostat, I will ship you back to Africa. I'm like, that's very aggressive. It's just a thermostat. Right? So when I got my own house, I was like, oh, I'm setting it up. And then my mom came to visit me one time, and I saw her get her little hands on that thermostat. I said, Grace. She said, who is Grace? I said, you, mother. This is my house. My thermostat. She's like, I rebuke you. I don't know. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> So I know what that feels like, though, you know, to, to, to say, God, you can be Lord over this, but I'm Lord over this. You can be involved in this area, but I'm over this area. You know what cultural Christians do? They'll say things like this. These are how I identify cultural Christians. They'll say things that are like, they'll identify as a Christian, but they'll say something that's totally remiss from being a Christian. They'll be like, you know, I'm saved, but I'll still cut somebody. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Right? Or like, they'll be like, um, they'll do whatever they want all days of the week. And then I'll be like, oh, are you doing that today? They'll be like, oh my gosh, no, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. I can't watch that. It's Sunday. I'm like, you watched it last night. You know what I mean? I can't listen to that. It's Sunday. I can't go there. It's Sunday. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Here, here's why we are where we are. Because most Christians aren't faithful. They're superstitious. But most Christians are superstitious. Like, they believe in the day more than the God of their every day. 
They, they believe more in, oh, it's, it's a day, it's a Sunday, it's set apart, than in walking with this Jesus who wants to walk with them every single day. My mom got me out of this mentality so quickly as a kid. I remember this. Uh, she always subscribed to the belief that I want to share with you today that Sunday, right, this day, the Lord's Day, Sunday fuels our faith. It does not sustain it. This day doesn't sustain my faith. No, no, this day fuels my faith. And she would say things to me like, Peter, we're about to get ready to go to church tomorrow. What did God do in your life this week? I'd say, Mom, why are you asking me Bible questions today? That's what tomorrow's for. And she'd say, no, son, you don't get to walk in God's house without a testimony of his faithfulness. Do you know why church stinks for a lot of people? Because they're coming in here looking to be encouraged rather than encouraging other people. They're coming into this place looking to be validated rather than assigning themselves and the validation on God and worship. They're looking to be worshiped and accepted rather than worship and accept the Jesus who came for their life. You better walk into church with a testimony, she would tell me. She would say, and church will be increasingly boring when you cannot testify to what God has done all week. You better walk in with a testimony. You know what's so interesting? And I, I don't mean to get all uh, Dave Ramsey on you. He's a prophet. I believe it. Um, so you're like, I believe in Dave Ramsey. Relax. I'm not attacking Dave. He's a good man. Um, but we would never celebrate someone financially, right? And we understand people go through hardships and finances are tough. But we would never go celebrate someone or, or give this uh, idea to someone like, hey, you should live check to check. That's a good idea, right? We would never say that to someone. Hey, what I really encourage you to do is to just live check to check. Live above your means, Spend all your money. You're going to be fine. God's good, right? Like that's a terrible way uh, to live and, and kind of think about your finances. We never celebrate people that live check to check, and we shouldn't. But, so why do we celebrate people that live Sunday to Sunday? The only time they feel the presence of God is on Sunday. The only time they open up their spirit to the things of God is on Sunday. The only time they worship is on Sunday. The only time they get in the word is on Sunday. And then those people have the nerve to come in church and go, Ah, pastor's off today. No, 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 you've been off all week. Huh? Pastor, I don't really like these songs. They're not speaking to me. You haven't spoken to God all week. And by the way, we're not singing to you. You didn't die for nobody. You didn't give your life for nobody. We're singing to a king, the king of glory. Oh, come on, church. Sunday to Sunday, this isn't how God has called us to believe the gospel is the most effective when it's impacting your life on a daily basis. Now watch this. Um, my mom, to make sure that we did not live Sunday to Sunday, she would, uh, she would take up our whole day, right? I would be like, Mom, okay, Sunday, uh, pastor just preached for three hours. We need to go, okay? And, uh, like, the game's on. Like, can we leave? And she's like, well, when we get home, we need to talk about pastor's message. I'm like, oh, my gosh, why? I just heard him, you know? She'd be like, we need to talk about the message. I'm like, what, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to pray through the points. I'm like, Mom, I just heard the points. Right? My pastor was really into alliteration. I heard the points. Power, precipitation, presence. Right? Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm like, literally, like, he, he, I heard him. And she would say, no, no, Peter, this is going to just take a little bit of time. I said, Mom, first of all, if you know anything about church in the 90s, uh, church took over your entire day. You understand what I'm saying? Because you would go to church, pastor would preach. Then my mom would want to go over the points in the afternoon, and then it's time for Sunday night service where the real Christians come and swing from the chandeliers at night. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Bringing in snakes and stuff. I'm just kidding. The snakes weren't real, but they thought about it. I know they thought about it. Right? 
And so my mom would say, Peter, we have to pray through these points because God gave a word to our pastor. You don't believe God spoke unless you re- go over the notes that pastor preached. Okay, no amens. Okay, praise God. She would say, son, we don't believe it unless we work these things into our life. What is the point of coming to church if we're not going to work these things in our life all week long? <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you how to make this faith experience with God go to the level that you've been dreaming about. Let me go ahead and casually but carefully say this, that sometimes it's not enough for you just to read about what God did. It's time for you to start believing what he could do. Of course faith is born to you sometimes. You keep reading the testimony of the apostle Paul. When are you going to get your own testimony? Oh, man. So here we go. This story, I'm going to dive into it. I'll tell you what, encouraged me, inspired, challenged me, but ultimately left me. Uh, I, I want to share what encouraged me, annoyed me, challenged, but ultimately left me inspired. Here we go. Oh, here's what encouraged me. The Bible says that Peter's mother-in-law, when Jesus came there, the fever left her. There's no points on the screen today. I just want you to focus and write down whatever the Lord speaks to you. The fever left her. That encouraged me because I can, I can hear that testimony and I heard it all over the U.S. Preached 130 services last year. Saw 1,700 people come to Christ last year. Saw the power of God move in a supernatural way all over the, the U.S. but all over the world last year. It was amazing. Uh, and that testimony, the fever left her, is the testimony I'm hoping for for a lot of people in here. The anxiety left her. The anger left him. The brokenness left them, right? The fever left her is a reminder to me about the authority and the power of God. The, the fever left her is a reminder to me that we are never at the mercy of our situation. See, this would have been absolutely mind-blowing for Roman Christians to hear that Jesus showed up at someone's house and he was not there to rule them but to restore them. He wasn't there to rule. This is what Jesus does. He doesn't just come to rule us, though he is a king. He comes to restore us. He comes to invite us into a new way of life. And, and this is why most, uh, this is why Mar- Mark has to write like this or Peter's speaking like this is because um, most people would see it and go, man, I, I can't invite Jesus into my home. My home is too much of a mess. I can't invite Jesus into my home. My home is not in order. I can't invite Jesus into my home. I don't have all the pieces together. And that's the same way. That's why most people don't invite Jesus into to their life because they go, man, maybe I'll clean up a little bit first and try to organize my life first and then I'll invite him into my home. But that's not how it works. I invite him in when things are array, when things are a mess, when things are undone. And it's at that point that he comes not to rule me, but to restore me. God spoke to me and said, Peter, I don't show up to your house just like a guest. I show up to your house like a maid. I'm ready to come and clean and restore and heal and fix You know, you're like, how can you say that about Jesus? Easy. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The scripture says that Jesus did not come to serve or to be served, but to serve. He did not come to be served, which is crazy to think about because he's God. But he came to serve. So what am I going to keep doing? I'm going to keep contending. I'm encouraged by that. The fever left her. If the fever left her, I can invite God into my life and he can fix, change, restore, renew anything that's going on. I'm encouraged by that today. I'm going to keep contending. I'm going to contend when things are good. I'm going to keep worshiping even when things are bad. I'm going to believe God can do anything in my life. I'm not going to stop at just obedience. I'm going to be inspired by what God can do. Why? Because the fever left her. The fever left her. Here's the part that annoyed me. Are you ready? Here's the part that annoyed me. It says that Jesus left the synagogue, God's house, 
to go home with Simon and Andrew. And here's what I see. Even Jesus and the disciples, they prioritized the church, right? That word synagogue is important. They left where? The synagogue to go home. But it, it seems like to me that Jesus and the disciples prioritized church, but church is optional for a lot of people today. Not no one preaches to the choir. You're like, bro, I'm here today. Why are you saying church is optional? Because this is a reality of what was happening in that day. I still believe it's happening today. Where people thought to themselves like, I, you know what? I don't know if I have to be at church today. Right? It's because we see ourselves as individuals and not as part of the body of Christ. It's why it's so easy to pray for ourselves and so hard to pray for our church. But Jesus was in the synagogue. He was the son of God in the synagogue. And what, what people don't understand is because sometimes people will misinterpret a message like this and go, see, it's all about what I do at home. I got to get God's presence in my home. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to get involved. I don't need to give. Actually, I'm going to start a house church. House churches seem more effective to me. No, Jesus left from God's house into their home. God's house still has a priority. This is still where the presence of God lingers. This is still where God wants to move. And he wants you gathering here, all the scriptures say, do not forsake the assembly of yourself. This is what he's called us to. So it annoys me today that I read that Jesus, even Jesus was in the synagogue. That seems optional for, for many Christians today. There's no loyalty to the house, no connection to the house. Here's the second part that annoyed me. It says, the fever left her, ooh, and she served them a meal. You're like, why is that annoying? That seems so wonderful. It's because I want you to see today that the fever left her and she served them a meal is actually the progression that God has called Christians to move in. See, people get saved, and this is what we say to them. You need to learn how to serve at church, which is fine. We want people in church. We want people serving in church. As a matter of fact, when the body of Christ serves the needs of the body of Christ, that's when we get actually stronger. But I want you to see this today. The fever left her. God moved in her house, and he left the synagogue, which is really important, but then showed up to her house, healed her, and the first place this woman gets to serve God is where? In her home. Look, I'm, I'm all in on building teams in the church. It is my favorite thing to do. As a matter of fact, Pastor Brad asked me yesterday, he said, what do you miss about being in the local church every week? I said, building teams to help the community, to help the church. I miss that. But what I want us to know today is the first place that God wants you to serve, the first place that God wants you to move is in your home. Do you know what? It's so easy to serve at church, so hard to serve God at home. Ooh, it's easy to pray at church. I feel God's presence right now. But at home, ooh, when you and your spouse are arguing, I don't feel God's presence at all. Come on. It's why people often sometimes will, will find people who would rather serve at church and witness to people in the streets and go after people in the streets, but their family's still unsaved and don't know God. You know, the They'll go after the entire world and lose the ones that God biologically designed them to reach. <laughs> they will overcommit themselves at church so they can undercommit themselves at home. I had a man in a service I was speaking in. I wasn't preaching this message. I was preaching a different message. He's a deacon in the church. He said, Peter, I've been serving our church in different leadership roles for 20 years. And he said, I, I sat here and I listened to you today, and I realized that my son is not walking with God. And I don't know, about seven or eight years ago, I, I gave up praying for him. Friends, I, I don't know how to say this, but I want to say just as plainly as I can today, that's not God's heart. For you to serve his body 
but miss those that are connected to your body. <laughs> From God's house, to, it's significantly easier to serve at church. It is significantly easier to be involved. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of Christians that are like, yeah, I love meeting new people. Why? Because you never have to introduce them to the real you. But at home, ooh, they know the real you. They know you sometimes pee on the toilet seat even though it's at night. You can just pick it up, buddy, by the way. Ooh, they know the real you. Leaving your hair on the shower. Oh, that's disgusting. Right? They know the real you. Sometimes my wife does this thing with her eyelashes or whatever where she just sticks them on the mirror. I'm like, ah, spider. She's like, it's eyelashes. I'm like, relax. I'm like, well, don't leave them there. What's wrong with you? Oh, at home they know the real you. And so you prefer to talk to people that don't know Jesus so you can impress them with, oh, okay, okay. You prefer to talk to people who don't know the real you and try to impress them because the ones that know you the best aren't impressed by you anymore. I know. It is so much easier for me to get on the road and preach to strangers and tell them about the power of God than it is to win my cousin Corey to faith in Christ. Let me tell you a story about Peter Reeves that maybe it will get you to go, you know what, this guy's not real, but here's what happened. I'm traveling all across the country preaching the gospel. Last year I spoke to 275,000 people, and I'm going, God, this was a great year of ministry. Lord, thank you for all you're doing. I took off all of December. My board was actually like, hey, Pete, you need to rest and relax. Like 130 services in a year is ridiculous. Calm down. So I'm like, you know, it's going to be easy to relax. And then I'm at home with my kids, changing diapers, taking out the trash. No one's clapping for me. My wife was like, uh, yeah, buddy. Uh, I need you to run the kids to school. Just doing normal things in life. And I found myself going, I wish I was on the road. Because it's a lot easier to impress and cheer and yell and shout and do all these things for people that don't know you. What about at home? And so in December, while I'm taking time to rest and relax, I, um, I did something that, uh, then maybe you're going to be like, wow, that's, that's really spiritual. I, uh, I went to my block list on Facebook and uh, see the people who I blocked over the years. Like, you're annoying. Block. You know, whatever. And uh, on there, I saw my aunt, Mwila. I blocked her because, and I'm going to be really vulnerable here. I blocked her because when I was about 12 years old, uh, my, my mom brought my aunt over from Zambia to come and live with us and uh, send her to school. And my aunt ended up stealing uh, a lot of valuable things from our home, things that we can never get back, um, things that were really important to our family, and a lot of my mom's money, and she ran off. And then when my mom sent the police after her, she came back to our house and practically burnt down our house. So as I got older, so she friended me. I was like, you want to friend me? Let me friend you. Block, you know? Um, and so I, I saw my aunt on this list, and I don't know what happened to me. The spirit was speaking to me. I said, well, let me unblock her. So this is in December. I'm resting. I'm relaxing. Um, I unblock her. When I unblock her, all these messages come through. Like they all start coming through. And I start reading them. Peter, I'm really sorry for what I did to you and your mom. Peter, please answer me. Peter, would you guys please forgive me? Peter, I gave my life to Jesus today. September 2014. Peter, I realized that what I did to you guys was wrong. Peter, I want to pay you and your mom back with interest. Peter, please answer me. Peter, I watched one of your sermons. Peter, I felt the power of God when I was listening to you. Peter, can we be a family again? 
Peter, Jesus has forgiven me. Can you and your mom forgive me? Here I am traveling around the globe telling people how much God loves them, how much he forgives them, how he can change them, how he can renew them, telling them that the story can always be changed, telling them that God is always good. Yet at home, in my family, there was a blockage between me and my aunt. Because it's so much easier to serve God in his house than it is to serve him in your home. How do you respond to 10 plus years of content? I finally found the courage to message her back. And I always thought that when I saw my Aunt Wheeler again, she would be apologizing to me. And I simply apologized to her. I'm sorry. We should have forgiven you years ago. Why? Why did I do that? Because it's easier to serve God in his house than it is in your home. It's easier to forgive strangers. It's easier to tell people about how good God's been to you who don't know you. (laughs) The fever left her, and she served in her home. You know, there was this man that I really revere. He's passed away. He was a a district official in the Michigan district. His name was Kurt Dallab. I went to his funeral, and... um, at the funeral, um, I just got done reading um, a book about, uh, about the power of God. And in there, someone got raised from the dead. So I walked past his casket. I was like, right now, Jesus? Okay, never mind. Right? Like, um, you never tried to walk on water in your bathtub? Nothing? Okay. Um, just me. You've never taken a McDouble and said, God, do what you will do right now. Multiply it like nobody? Okay. Um, So I'm at Kurt's funeral, and uh, his daughter gets up there, and she's like, hey, like, a lot of you guys are here because you honor my father. I'm really thankful. Um, but you guys didn't get the best of him. I did. So, and I'm like, what do you, you know, everyone's kind of just looking around. She goes, my dad was a good man in public. He was a great man at home. He was a fantastic leader to the many, but he was a faithful leader in our family. She said, there was not one moment when my father wasn't present for me. You celebrate him because you think you don't know him. And he's much better than you could ever imagine. See, I was already a huge fan of Pastor Kurt. But I did not realize that he allowed what he did in God's house to translate over into his home. And so the people who knew him the the best loved him the most and respected him the most. This is what he's called us to, from God's house to our home. That's why Jesus left the synagogue with them. And he said, I'm coming to your house because I want to move in your home. I got to speed this up today. Let me keep going. Here's what challenged me. It says, when they got there, Jesus was told that Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a fever. There's some things that God wants to hear from you in your home. Can I tell you, of course God does miracles in his house. We call this place a house of miracles. He does it. But there are some miracles that Jesus wants to do in your home. James, uh, I'm sorry, Simon and Andrew did not bring their mother-in-law to church. Should we bring sick people to the house of God? Of course. But they said, instead of just trying to get her to where you are, would you come where she is? That's our God. That's Christianity. See, every other religion on the planet is mostly about us getting to God, but Jesus is a God that says, no, 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 I'll show up where you are, and I'll do miracles where you are, and I'll touch the sick parts of where you are, from God's house into your home. 
You're like, why is it God answering our prayer? Because maybe you've only prayed it in his house. What if you prayed it in, a, in your home? We've convinced ourselves that the only place we can see the power of God is in church. Do we? Absolutely. But I'm convinced the power wants to be available in your home. So Simon and Andrew, they, they invite Jesus in. And Jesus is, is there and... Here's what inspired me. This is the last part. Worship team, you can actually come up. It says, Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, and they went home. I know I keep reading this over again, but I want you to get it. This is the progression of the growing Christian. I encounter God in a powerful way, and then I go, okay, God, I, I hear it, and I sense it. Now what do you want to do in my home? What do you want to do? What do you want to change? What do you want to fix? What do you want to restore? You know what we do at youth camp? I'm, I've become, uh, by learning from the greats, like the great Reggie Dabs of the world, and I've learned at youth camps, and I attended several youth camps myself. You know what we do to kids on the last night? This is what we do. We go, what you have experienced here? You can't leave it here. You've got to take it home. And kids that wear no deodorant are like, ah. Like, put your arm down. Smell like tortilla chips. <laughs> like, you can't leave it here. Come on. You know, you guys were DYDs for a long time. You can't leave it here. You got to take it home. You experience faith here? Awesome. You got to take it home. You experience miracles here? Awesome. You got to take them home. You experience peace, power, whatever it is. You've got to take it home. And why do we tell students that? Because we understand that if they're only relying on the experience they just had to sustain their faith, it will not last. Church should not be an church should not ignite your faith. It should confirm your faith. You know when my faith began to grow? When I started becoming a student of God's word. I'm not talking a Bible college degree. Some of you are like, what Bible college did you go to? What seminary? Relax. I'm talking about just reading God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And I'd walk into church, and my pastor would be preaching on a text I just read. And I didn't go, ah, I already know this. Yeah. Moses, stuttering problem. Crazy. You know? I, I sat there, and I was like, oh, I read that too, but I didn't get that. Oh, I read that, and I did get that. And God would say, listen, I told you I spoke to you. Now I'm confirming it through the man of God in your life. And church became a confirmation of what God was doing. Not this, like, TED Talk where I'm getting all these new ideas. I'm like, did you know God heals? I found that out at church today. Did you know he's good? Oh, it says, I love this church. We'll love this church not because we're teaching you something new, but because we're confirming what God has already done. And that's when it gets fun. When you walk in here and you don't have to peek over someone else's shoulder to see if they get healed, you're the one at the altar praying for them. From God's house into your home. Well, I get, when people get saved at church, I'm up there with the name badge leading them. How about you lead your lost ones, your friends and family who have known you for years? What about them? Who's leading them? In your home. <laughs> oh, gosh. In your home. Okay, let me end today. I'm done. 
I won't even get into that. I, um, so I grew up in church, loved it. You know, I tell people all the time, like, I was truly a church kid. My mom had me there at all times. I don't know if it was because of free babysitting or because God was moving. I don't know. In the 90s, you could drop your kid off at church. And our pastor was like, if you have to go do something on a Wednesday night, that's fine. Drop your kids off. My mom was like, I will take that, you know. So I was there. And I was just like a typical church kid. I mean, I, you know, wander the church, find communion, snack on it a little bit, you know. Literally one time during Sunday morning service, they, they had like a backdrop with a baptismal. And the security came rushing behind the scenes. And me and my friends were just dipping our toes in the baptismal. Just having a good time, you know. Let God move. And uh, my favorite part of church, though, was uh, after church, um, when you could go to somebody else's house based on, like, what your friends were making. Like, my mom is making you know, this, and my mom's making this. I'm like, I'm coming to your house. My mom's African too, so she's like, pizza today, we're going to eat chicken foot. I was like, I don't want chicken foot. Uh, they got roast beef, I'm going over there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat zebra, mom, you know? <laughs> so, I, you know, you go to somebody else's house and you eat roast beef with no salt, no pepper, no seasoning. I will not say what color these people were. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Relax. Have a good time. You know? <laughs> and so, um, be at their house and went to all types of people's houses and people came to my house. And, but I loved it, right? You'd walk through, you'd see their family pictures. Like, who's that? Oh, that's my mom. That's my dad. But in the 90s, I don't know why this was a trend. People used to have their family pictures, but then also a picture of Jesus. Right? In their home. Who remembers this? Does anybody remember? Somebody's like, I still got a picture of Jesus. He's the risen king. We love you. We respect you. But they would have a picture of Jesus in their home. And it was crazy to see. Like, I saw all types of Jesuses on the wall. Right? Like, I saw like... Um, like the blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus. I'm like, Bradley Cooper Jesus, you know? <laughs> I saw D Jesus with like a, like dark eyes and like a fro, like looks like, you know, just a little dark. I'm like, Denzel Jesus? Like, I saw Jesus one time with like a basketball crossover. I was like, Michael Jordan Jesus? That's my Jesus. He's got a crossover. He's amazing. I saw Jesus with like a gun and an American flag. I'm like, America! You know, like, I don't know. Saw all types of Jesuses, people's houses. I thought it was funny. I used to take pictures on them on my razor. Come on, somebody. Nobody? So cool. I wouldn't even be getting a call. Sometimes I just flip it open. Hello? Call me after seven. That's when I have three minutes. Come on, somebody. Nobody? Okay. And um, I used to laugh because those different Jesus in people's homes. And as I was writing this sermon, the Lord just reminded me of those moments that were so funny to me for years. And God said, isn't it funny that they put up what they thought I look like, right? We know Jesus didn't look like any of the things that they were showing. But they would put up that picture of Jesus. Why? Because they were simply trying to get God in their home. It was funny. But they were just trying to get God into their home. 
They were just trying to walk past those pictures of their family. Like, she's been getting on my nerves. He needs to call me back. She owes me $52.32. Isn't it so funny how we remember exactly how much family owes us? But then they'd see that picture of Jesus and be like, mm, you paid it all. You know, like, they were just trying to get Jesus into their home. I feel like this is the prerogative for 2024. I cannot allow my greatest experiences with God to be at church. Though at church we will have fantastic experiences. The greatest move of God, uh, the greatest move of God that we are committing to is to see God move in our home. Jesus, I need you in my home. I don't want my most important moments to be in God's house, though I know that they're come. Oh, we're going to fast for 21 days. We're going to believe God. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Miracles across your life. But let it happen also in your home. Oh, we don't just want you to have good moments with God. We want you to have a healthy marriage at home. Oh, we don't just want you to experience this power here. We want your parenting to go to a different dimension from God's house into your home. Let everything translate and let the Spirit of God move in our house like never before. In our home. You call it a dining room table. I call it an altar. <laughs> you, saw, you call it a couch. I call it the resting place of the Holy Spirit. He wants to be in your home. Can I tell you, revival's coming, and it's not coming to churches. Well, our church is on the move of a revival. Maybe. Maybe your church is on the move of a revival because you're experiencing revival. Because you've allowed what God did in, your, in his house to enter into your home. Can you imagine? Okay, I'm done. We're going to go into a song. But can you imagine? I'm a preacher. I've been closing like 32 times. Can you imagine though? Next, next week you come in here not looking to be encouraged but to encourage someone because of what God did in your life. Could you have faith to believe for someone else's healing because they don't have faith to believe it themselves. From God's house to your home. God's power, not just in his house, but in your home. I hope I, I helped you see this today. That's what we're going after in 2024. I'm not giving you vision. I'm just talking about the global church. God's power moving in our lives. Not just publicly, but privately. I tell students all the time, it does not impress anyone for you to post in your Instagram bio. Saved by grace. John 3, 16. Cute, but godly, right? I don't know. So we want to see your direct messages. What are you saying when no one's looking? What's she sending? And they always go, ooh. I say a little more spicy than that. Same thing for the adult church, though. For the family of God. We don't care how many boards you serve on. How many Bibles you carry? This is my King James. This is my NIV. This is my NLT. This is a CV. This is, right? We don't care. You got every Christian T-shirt in the world. It's like three nails, one cross, four given. You know, so <laughs> we don't care. We want to see God moving in your life, in your home, between you and your parents if they're alive, you and your kids, you and your spouse, you and your cousins. Some of you are like, God's leading me into a great move of his spirit. Yeah, I'm telling you, in your family, you're going to make a call, and that's the greatest spiritual step you could take today. To that call to say, hey, I forgive you, or hey, I need your forgiveness. Oh, okay, that's too much. All right, fine. Fine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Ah, oh, man. Thank you, God. 
God, I pray that nobody in this room would experience the kind of pain that I experienced with Auntie Mwila. I pray that no one would be that hard, that no one would be that hypocritical. Because that's what I did. I was hypocritical. Telling people about how much you forgive them, how much you love them. I couldn't forgive my aunt. So I pray that nobody in this room would experience that. And I pray if they're there today, God, that you would touch their lives in a supernatural way. And that they feel encouraged knowing, God, that the greatest things they're going to see you do in 24, it's going to happen in their home. Their kids falling in love with them again. Their spouse falling in love with them again. Them falling in love with their kids and spouse. Families united, built, the body of Christ becoming stronger. Thank you that our Sundays are going to be supernatural. Thank you that you've anointed Pastor Brian and Becky with a supernatural word for this next season. But that's not why just church is going to be good because he's going to confirm everything you're speaking to us in private. I pray today, God, as we make commitments to you, that we would walk them out and see the power of God in a supernatural way. If you're in this room today, you've never given your life to Jesus, I promise you, promise you, you are missing out on so much. Bible teaches us about Jesus, that he is the lover of our soul, that he died for us when we didn't deserve it, that he's forgiven us for all of our sins. He is our way to God. And so if there's distance in your relationship between you and Jesus, or you don't even know who he is today, I want to pray a simple prayer of faith with you today, and I'm telling you, your relationship with God is going to get on the right track today. You don't have to live with anxiety or depression or brokenness or fear. You can invite Jesus into your life, and many of us in this room can testify that he truly restores our soul. So with every eye closed in this place today, if you're in this room, you say, Pastor Peter, I'm far from God, but I don't want to be. That's you today. When I count to three, I just want you to slip your hand up, and I want to pray with you today. I believe God's going to touch your life. I believe your faith is going to grow. It doesn't matter if you've prayed this prayer a hundred times, but you've walked away or you've fallen away from who God's called you to be. I want you to raise your hand. Come on. One, two, three. Yeah, hands going all over, up all over this place today. Come on, keep your hand up. I want to see it. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you. You know, let me say it like this today with every eye still closed. Welcome again or for the first time into the family of God. He is for you. Therefore, nothing can be against you. Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. This is our message because this is the truth. You are forgiven. You are free. And you have a heavenly home, the Bible teaches, laid up and stored up for you. Jesus is our Savior. He's our sanctifier. He's our healer. And he's our coming king. He's coming again. So today, if you raise your hand but honestly, everyone in the room today, I want to pray a prayer of faith. And if you raise your hand, I don't want you to just leave and say, well, I did it, I'm good. I want you to tell somebody, hey, this is the commitment I made today. So with everyone in the room, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus. Come on, everyone in the room, say, Jesus. I believe that you are good. And I believe that you are God. I believe you have the power to forgive me. And I believe that you've already restored me. Jesus, you gave your life for me. So I give my life to you. Everything that I am and all that I hope to be, I now belong to you. Thank you. Come on, say thank you. Jesus. See, because even if you're uh, in faith in Christ, it does your soul good to remind yourself that everything that you are and all that you hope to be 
belongs to him. He's going to take care of you. And he's going to restore you. He's going to bless you. Because that's what he does. That's his nature. Come on, can we just celebrate those that prayed that prayer today, honestly? Man, that never gets old. Come on, clap again. If you prayed that prayer sincerely today, I'm telling you, write the date down because there is a journey of faith coming that's going to change your life. Here's the last thing I want to do today. If you stand with me, church. Last thing I want to do in this place today, you're like, Pastor, get this guy out of here. We got things to do. Whataburger's calling my name. Look, I, I understand we've committed to God's house. I'm glad you're here. But some of us know that in 2024, I have to commit to seeing the power of God in my home. So the worship team's going to begin to sing. I'm going to count to three. And if you say, Pastor, I need God's presence in my home. I need God to touch my home in a supernatural way. I just want you to come. I just want you to come. We want to have a moment at the altar. It's the last thing we're going to do. I don't just want to encounter him at home. I want his presence. I won't just want to encounter him at his house. I want to encounter him in my home. You say, I need a touch of God in my home. So if that's you today, I'm not going to, I've done enough prodding. If you know that's you, you say, I want to see miracles in my house. God's power in my house. The best worship in my house. My home. That's you. I want you to come when I count to three. Come on, worship team. One, two, three. Just want to come pray, lay hands on you. Come on, I'm gonna, I'm committing to seeing God's presence in my home this year. Come on, only if you mean it. If you don't, it's okay. You don't have to come. Yeah, come on. I'm committing to this, man. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. And when you get here, just say, God, I'm committing my home to you. I'm committing my home to you. I want you to move in my home. Yeah, come on, come on. There's no need in me pretending. Hallelujah. Come on. I'll give you everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. I'll give you everything. Come on, in your home. Yeah, you and your cousin renewing your relationship right now. You and your dad renewing your relationship right now. Why? Because God's going to move in your home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your marriage brought back together. Why? Hallelujah. Hold on, hold on. One second, Pastor Brent. Okay. Spiritual giants in your home. You're like, what are you talking about? They're four and five right now. They're 17 right now. They're about to leave your house. You're about to be an empty nester. I speak over your family, spiritual giants coming out of your home in 2024. Men and women of God that you've only read about right under your doorstep, right under your nose. In Jesus' mighty name. I speak over your commitment and union, even together or unbroken, that what God has put together can no man tear apart. Watch what he'll do in your home this year. I'm speaking to the single mother right now, you better breathe life over those babies. 
Confess the good word that you have heard in this church in your home. And watch he who is faithful come to see it pass. Why would I confess the good word that was spoken in church in my home? Here's why. Because the Bible says literally Jesus is the word of God. So I want to just, one more time. You say, Pastor, I'm committed to raising up spiritual giants. If you're in your seat right now, I want you to just come find a place at the altar. Come on, one, two, three. Okay, that's my last altar call. Come on, come on, come on, come on, quickly. Let's go right back into it. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. And I'm just going to pray the Spirit over you. Come on, would you stretch your hands to heaven? Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.